Shalom Aleichem, Shavua Tov, to all of you listeners of this great station, a broadcast only religious things such as Divrei Musar, Divrei Halacha, Divrei Torah, religious music. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC, and I want to speak a little bit about the parasha we read yesterday, Parashat Kitisa. Hopefully you'll see there are many, many topics that the parasha speaks about. Mahasita Shekel, for example, Shemina Mishcha, the Ketoret, the incense, Shabbat, and other topics. But the salient feature of the parasha, the most prominent topic, is of course the sin of the Eger, the golden calf. Just about three months after Yitzhiat Mitzrayim, after the Bnei Israel have seen themselves, all the ten makot, the splitting of the sea, the miracle of the man that comes down, rains down every single day. Forty days after Matan Torah, when they were themselves, they heard Akadosh Baruch Hu pronouncing Right? What did they do? They build the Egel, a golden calf. And they say, Now, what happened here? What happened is, just to describe quickly, and the Torah says, Vayhi ki boshesh Moshe. What happened is that there was some kind of miscommunication here where Moshe Rabbeinu told them he's coming back in 40 days within six hours and Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Hasinai starting the 40 days on the 7th of Sivan and the 7th of Sivan was not, supposed, not counted because it took 40 days, including the night before. This one didn't have a night before. So as far as Moshe Rabbeinu was concerned, he was supposed to come back on the 17th of Tammuz. But as far as Israel are concerned, he was supposed to come back on the 16th of Tammuz. So on the 16th, after six hours, he didn't show. He didn't show up. Then the Satan started making all kinds of problems for them. Well, uh, Rashi brings, he says that the Satan made like erbubia, all kinds of confusion. There was darkness, choshech va'afela, and it's like uh, a sign that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, passed away. So he told him, look, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu passed away. So once that happened, then everything went loose. After the head of the Egel, and this is what I'm going to talk about, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, Vayomer Hashem el Moshe, he told him, Ra'iti et I have seen these people, Vehine amkeshe orifu, these people are stiff-necked. They're obstinate, they're stubborn. Therefore, he says, Ve'atah nichali. let me, and God forbid, I'll finish them off. You will be now the new, 
great nation. Of course, Moshe Rabbeinu did not agree with that. Uh, prayed a prayer to Hashem until Hashem forgave them and so on. But it says, Vehiner am orifu. It doesn't say, Vehiner chataha'am. It, does, it says only that Hashem is emphasizing the fact that the word Keshe Orev, there was stiff neck, that's the problem. And in fact, in Parashat Ekev, in, which is in Sefer Debari, the same thing again. Same thing. That it, everything is depending upon the fact that they were stiff necked, not upon the fact that they actually sinned. Which prompts some Mefarshim to say that if it was only the sin of the Egel, but not they were not Keshe Orev, there would have been a solution. You make a sin, make the Shuva. But Keshe Orev is something else. There's a difference between a sin which is only an action and being Keshe Orev, being stubborn, which is it's not an action. This is a mode of behavior. This is this is a a, a horrible, bad, uh, uh, bad virtue. This is a way of behavior that the Sforno characterizes is as antikva. There is no hope for a person like that. In fact, Rashi himself explains what is what does that mean. The Keshiorev. The Keshiorev, he says, is someone that he turns his heart back and when you reprimand him, when you rebuke him, he turns his... and he just turns away and goes away. He doesn't want to hear. He doesn't want to hear. A person who sins but is willing to hear, you could talk to him. But a person who is not willing to hear at all, then there's no hope for that. On the other hand, Moshe Rabbeinu later on, he says, Vayomer imna masati hen be'enecha Hashem, yelechna Hashem be'kirbenu. Let HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah dwell amongst us. Why? Ki am keshe'orefu. Because he, this people, this nation of Israel, they are stiff-necked people. And that seems like to be a virtue now. That's a good quality now. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. Now we have a we have a dilemma here. Is Kshiorif a good virtue? A quality that a person should have? Or is Kshiorif really a very bad, uh, a horrible way of behavior? So which way is it? The answer is this. It depends. If it's a question of the fulfillment of the mitzvot, if it's a question of helping the Torah cause, that's different. Then it is a good virtue. A person should try to do anything to keep the misfot no matter what, regardless of the situation. You have to try and keep it up. Be obstinate about it. Be stubborn. Shabbat is Shabbat. Kashrut is Kashrut no matter what. But on the other hand, if it's the other way around, God forbid, if a person has some failings and he's not doing the mitzvot properly and someone is reprimanding him, 
then he should be more bending, more flexible, not show his stubbornness and try to improve himself. So it depends on the situation. I'm going to give you an example of each. Yerov Amben Nevat, many of you probably have heard of him, was the first king of Malchei Israel. Let me explain. After Shilomo Amelech passed away, there was a division in the kingdom of, uh, of Israel at the time, of Eretz Israel at the time. And the south part was called Yehuda, and that the kings that were there were called Malchei Yehuda. Okay? That was Rehavam and all his dynasty, dynasty which came from Shlomo Amelech and David Amelech. Then on the north was Malchei, they were called Malchei Israel. And Yerov Amben Nevat was the first king. Yerov Amben Nevat, according to Chazal, was a great scholar. We can't fathom the amount of knowledge and wisdom that he had as far as Torah is concerned. Still, he was a Rasha Merusha. was Choteo Machati. Not only he himself did wrong, not, not only did he sin, but he made sure other people also sinned. He built two temples and put in a, a Gelzahav in each one. He put in a golden calf in, uh, in, in Dan and one in Bethel. And he actually forced the people to go there. He would not let them go down to Yerushalayim. And to Rebet HaMikdash. Umahati. So in the Tanakh it says at one time he was by the Mizbeach over there. And it says Isha Elohim came a prophet and Avi. Although the Tanakh does not mention the name. But the Mfashim said that was the Navi Ido. And he was reprimanding him. What did he do? In his stubbornness, instead of being more flexible, he raises his hand, telling the people, grab him, Tifsu. So his hand became paralyzed. He could not move it up, down, nothing. Could not move his hand. Then it says that Yarov Am asked the Isha Elohim, the Navi, please pray for me, I can move my hand. He agreed. He prayed for him. And his hand became just as before. So now you might think, look, this is a sign from Hashem. It's a, this is a, a real, a real sign. Uh, hey, Yerovam, look. You're doing something wrong. Your hand was paralyzed. I'm giving you another chance. Stop what you're doing. Not a chance. Stubborn. Then it says that in the, in the Midrash, it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu came to him and told him, Yerovam, Hazor Bach, change, come back. Come back to the Torah and the Mitzvot. Ve'ani ve'atau ben Yishai netayel began Eden. Me, Hashem himself, and you. And Ben Ishai, David Amelech, will all be taking leisurely walks in Gan Eden. What did he answer? Mi Barosh. 
who's gonna be at the head? Me or Ben Ishai? Nashem said Ben Ishai. Okay. Too bad. No, he won't change. That was the stubbornness. That was the bad stubbornness. But there's the good stubbornness. During the Greek era, during Hanukkah time, there's a story told in the Maccabees about Hannah and her seven children. And uh, at that time, in Mashimon Antiochus IV, he, he wanted, well, he proclaimed several gezerot, a harsh decrees against the religion. But he, he, he wanted to make sure that the Bnei Israel will not practice their religion. So he went around in many places trying to get people to take a, a, a pork and sacrifice it to a statue, you know, to make sure that there will be Abdi Abda Zara and so on. So at one point, the king himself was there with the seven sons of Hannah. He started with the old one, the older one, and he told him, go ahead, do this. Forget about what you believe in. Do this, or else, of course, he'll be, he'll be killed. No, they were pretty stubborn. They were stubborn now for the good. They will keep their religion no matter what. And it went on from the seventh, the, the oldest, down to the sixth, to the fourth, down, all the way down to the youngest. Youngest was seven years old. And he asked him. The king said to him, you know what? All right. I'm not going to ask you to just go ahead and bow down. You see my ring here? I'm going to my, throw my ring on the floor. All you have to do is pick it up. And by picking it up, it looks like you're, you're bowing down. The people will think that you're bowing down to the uh, statue. He said, no way. Not a chance. He won't do it either. Of course, he was killed too. At that point, the mother said to the young child, before, just before he was taken to be killed, when you go up to Gan Eden and you meet Abraham Avinu, tell him that he sacrificed one son. I sacrificed seven sons. Now, we see the stubbornness for the good. Rabotai, I want to tell you something more uh, like up-to-date. It's interesting. I saw a video of a, of a speech that was given by Mr. Dan uh, Brafman during a, a gathering of Esh HaTorah. Now, this guy, Mr. Brafman, uh, he's a famous lawyer, and he only takes on cases that have very high-profile cases. Like he was representing uh, uh, Michael Jackson and when he had the problem there. Uh, he's Orthodox. He's Shomer Shabbat, 100%. Shomer Shabbat. So he was saying that one time uh, he had a, a very famous singer. Came to him, he had a problem, and he wanted to represent him. He said, okay, no problem. I'll represent you. He said, but 
there's two conditions here. One, I want you to give me all the phone numbers that you have so I can call you at anyone, at any time, and I can find you. No problem. Here's my phone numbers. I want you to be available 24-7. He says, I will be available to you 24-6. 24 hours a day, 6 days a week, not 7 days a week. So why? Well, Saturday is our Shabbat. Our Shabbat, we do not work. We don't do, that's, we go to the synagogue, we pray to our God, we come back home, we have dinner with our family, we sing Zemirot, but no work on Shabbat. He says, what happens if I have an emergency and I have to call you? So he says to him, you know what? Here's the phone number of one of my best associates, who's a Gentile. So you talk to him, tell him the situation. Then he will fax me something. If I see a fax, I'll read it. If I deem it to be a question that is a real emergency, a question that involves perhaps pikuah nefesh, then we'll talk. Otherwise, no phone calls. That's it. That was the deal. He says to him, I know your situation. I know I can get, it, get you out of trouble, but this is my conditions. They agreed. Sure enough, the next Shabbat, he's sitting at dinner, lunch with his family, and the phone rings. He looks at the caller ID. What? That's him. The singer, he got, a, you know, he got upset. Two minutes later, he rings again. Two minutes later, he came out ringing, ringing maybe 20 times. Of course, he did not pick up the phone. But what happened is, Mozart Shabbat, he calls the singer, and he says to him, we had a deal. You never called me on Shabbat. He says, well, I just won a bet of $10,000. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I made a bet with my son that I will call you repeatedly and that you will not pick up the phone. And you did it. I won the bet. That's exactly what happened, Abu Tai, when it comes to the fulfillment of the Mitzvot, regardless of the situation. We have to be very stubborn about it. As a matter of fact, nowadays we really have it easy compared to what happened in the past. In the early 1920s, when we had over here many of our Ashkenazic brothers came, they were religious people, they didn't know the language, and somehow they managed to get a job. They started Monday to get a job. Friday, they go to the boss. I'm sorry, my boss, I can't come tomorrow. It's Shabbat. The boss says to him, you don't come tomorrow, you don't come Monday either. So they had to get a job every two, three weeks, they had to get a new job. They really had a tough time. You know, I recall myself 50 years ago here in Brooklyn, they have what they call the blue laws. The blue laws were 
some restrictions on people stores to be open on Sunday certain maybe not the whole Sunday maybe certain times but sometimes the entire Sunday in other places maybe uh, the, uh, until one o'clock or whatever but they were not allowed to open on Sunday but there were some storekeepers that were Jews Shomri Shabbat they close on Shabbat they can't close Shabbat and Sunday so they opened on Sunday the policeman comes and says, how come you're open? Look, you know, I closed yesterday and I have to make a living. Gives him a ticket. Now he has a ticket in his hand. Three weeks later, he comes again, another ticket. What they had to do, unfortunately, is uh, they uh, they waited until they had six or seven tickets. They got a lawyer, then they go to the judge. And so most of the time, the judge will reduce the... The penalty or dismiss it, but they had a hard time. When I was there, everybody's open on Sunday. Even the big department stores, everyone's open on Sundays. But Shabbat is an extremely important, important mitzvah in Yahdut. As a matter of fact, it's the yardstick. It's it's the mitzvah that we judge people. If we want to know if a person is Religious, we say what? He is Shomer Shabbat. We don't say he is Shomer Tefillin. He is Shomer Shabbat. Hafiz Chaim Alava Shalom says, you know, take a restaurant. In the restaurant, there is a song. Jacob's Restaurant, for example. Jacob's Restaurant. Well, if you come in one day and you see it's closed. But the sign is there. So, yeah, well, most probably he's on vacation. Perhaps he's not well. He closed the store. So, but he'll reopen again. But if you come and you see that the sign was removed, there's no more Jacob's restaurant. Then what do you say? Uh, that's it. He's out of business. Everything's finished. Out of business. He says, that's Shabbat. Shabbat is that sign. If the person, Chaz Shalom, is not respecting the Shabbat, the sign is out. Everything is closed. That is the Shabbat. Rabbi Lau, who, he was a, a chief rabbi in uh, Eres Israel uh, a, a while back, not long ago. As a matter of fact, his son is the present chief rabbi right now. He explained it like this. He says, Ki Hashem natan lachem a Shabbat. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the Shabbat. Natan. Gave it. As a gift. Amar lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu Moshe. Listen carefully. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, I have a beautiful gift. The name of that gift is Shabbat. And I would like to give it as a gift to the Bnei Israel. What does that mean? It means the following. Take, for example, a couple. A Hatan and a Kala. They get engaged. As part of the engagement, the Hatan gives a ring 
He's a renter akala. So, okay, this is not the engagement. Perhaps in three, four months, they're going to get married. Now, let's assume that somehow in the middle, there's some problems. There's a problem here, a problem there. Okay, so they sit down, they discuss the problem, try to iron it out, you know, and they figure something out. But if the Kalan takes the ring and throws it back at him, he says, here it is, I don't want your ring anymore, everything is off. How thing is off? There's no more, there's no more hatan, there's no more kalan. That's it. He said when Akadush Baruchu in Hasinai came and pronounced the Ten Commandments, it was a marriage between Akadush Baruchu and the Bnei Israel. And the ring was the Shabbat. That was the gift, the ring. That was the ring. If a person, if a Jew, has a little problem here or there, fine. I mean, it's not... Okay, somehow you can arrange that. But the Shabbat is the ring. It's like if a person, a Jew, is not respecting the Shabbat, it's like throwing back the ring. And then everything is off. Shabbat is the yardstick. If Chasve Shalom not keep the Shabbat, it's like reject, rejecting the ring, rejecting the man, rejecting everything. It's all over. We have to be very careful. In fact, in this parasha, also it talks about the Shabbat. It talks about the Shabbat. So the, the uh, last thing I want to mention is bringing back what I said at the beginning. When it comes to the fulfillment of the mitzvot, whether it is Shabbat, Kashrut, Tefillin, Mo'adim, then we have to be Keshe Oref, yes. We have to make sure that we stand our ground and we do not waver, not left and not right, and go straight into the path of the mitzvot and ma'asim tovim. Rabotai, just want to remind you again about the radio J-Root. Please try to do your best to help this just cause. And of course, as I mentioned last, last week also, uh, we have a beautiful Simha Hall. If you have any kind of Simha, please come take a look at our hall. I'm sure you'll be satisfied. Tiskula Misvot and Shavuatov.